Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi there, this is Martina Navratilova. Uh, hi, I'm Mats Wilander. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport today on day six of the French Open 2017, I am joined by another illustrious commentary dream team. We've had Joe Jury and Chris Bradnam. We now have a rival commentary A-team. It is Simon Reid and Fru McMillan. You are fresh from the commentary box where you've had a very short day at the office, you two, because you commentated the demolition job that was Rafael Nadal against Nicolas Basilashvili. And I spoke to Mats Volander after that match and he was certain that the one game that Basilashvili got in that was a donation from Mr Nadal. What's your take? I thought so at the time, yeah. I mean, he was obviously courtside Mats and he had a greater feel for what was going on in the body language of Rafa. But that's how it occurred to me, yeah. I thought Rafa was absolutely devastating and I thought he would be merciless. I didn't think he'd give a game away. I think he did. And if that's the case, Fru, essentially, to all intents and purposes, we've got Nadal winning love, love and love. Is, is he unbeatable? Well, I think the way he played today, he was. I don't, I don't think Basilisvili was... Uh, as good as Basilis really can be. He, he didn't have a lot of fight in him. He, he had the stuffing knocked out of him pretty early on, didn't he? Well, I think if Simon and I had to take Nadal on, uh, I think we would probably have taken a similar sort of attitude. I think he'd have knocked the stuffing out of us as well. Even two against one? Come well, on. That, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, he was, he was just unbeatable today. And if he keeps that sort of play up, he's going to be very difficult to beat. I thought Djokovic might be able to do something against him. But as you and Simon and I well know, Djokovic at the moment is having a bit of a struggle. Well, exactly. That's a very good point. Because as we record this, we are overlooking the Philippe Chatrier court, shrouded in cloud. They've been incredibly lucky throughout this match so far because it's threatened to rain very heavily and call off play. Play hasn't been called off at any stage on Chatrier, despite sort of spots of rain. Novak Djokovic is currently two sets to one down to the diminutive Diego Schwartzman. Has the word diminutive ever been used so much to describe one player, Simon? <laughs> uh, Guillermo Correa, he was pretty diminutive. <laughs> Julia putin Saver that we saw yeah. earlier take on Muguruza, she's pretty diminutive. She's, yeah, loud but diminutive, absolutely. No, I mean, he's played unbelievably well, Schwartzman. I mean, Djokovic looks a little flat to me, but I you know, take nothing away from Schwartzman. He's really taking it to him. It, it, it's terrific. 
Do we think Djokovic possibly saw glimpses of the Nadal match in the locker room and uh, got a bit of fear knocked into him before walking out onto court today? I hear what you're saying, but uh, he lost to he lost to Nadal the last time they played. But I think he has a uh, I think he has a head advantage over uh, Nadal. What by that I mean he's beaten Nadal enough times. I know not necessarily here, although he's beaten him here at the French as well. To have, I think, a, a little bit of that sort of mental edge over Nadal. So you don't think he's necessarily fearing him, even though he's in this sublime form? I don't think he is. Even though Nadal's in sublime form and Djokovic isn't, I still feel that Djokovic will feel pretty confident about taking on Nadal. What's going on with Djokovic body language-wise? Because it's not the transformed Djokovic with Agassi in his corner we were expecting. David Law and I discussed what we were expecting from Nadal this tournament with Agassi in tow when we thought he would puff out his chest and be peacocking, showing off to Andre Agassi, his childhood idol, showing the best of himself. And although it's a slightly improved Djokovic upon Monte Carlo and Madrid and Rome, it's it's still an irritable Novak Djokovic, isn't it? Well, I, you know, I'm not sure. I think there's been a, a changed uh, manner here on court today from Djokovic. I don't think he's getting as mad as he normally does. I know he hurled his racket to the ground once, but I've seen him get a lot worse than that. And I noticed in his previous match, he was much more ratty than he's been today. So I think Agassiz had a word and said to him, look, you're not going to endear yourself to the crowd by playing or acting as you normally act. Here in Paris, the crowd tends to be a little against you. You've got to try and get them on your side. So don't show any much of your emotions. Who can blame him now, though, for showing some emotions now that he's done? Well, exactly. When he hurled his racket around about a set ago, the crowd started booing them, and he gestured towards them as if to say, come on, guys, can you, can you blame me? It's not, it's not going well for me. Can you blame me for hurling my racket? It's going to be very interesting. Obviously, we're recording this before the end of the match, so I'm not going to ask you for predictions. We've learned our lesson, because by the time this goes out, we could look very silly indeed. But I will ask you hypothetically what the sort of repercussions would be if Jock did go out here because it would be massive wouldn't it? It would I would think that it would be a big blow I think getting Andre specifically with this in mind I think that would be a bit of a blow overall it just depends what's going on behind the scenes between them I've seen them you know when they're practicing I've seen them you know around the place and it seems to me it's a very good fit and I, I think it's absolutely ideal for Djokovic, Agassi. Maybe right now, as this match is going on, it's a bit too cerebral. Maybe, you know, he's both of them very intelligent guys, and maybe what's needed now is maybe one or two more swings of the racket, throwing the racket down. But I think overall, it's a good mix. And I, I, would, I see this as a, as a growing partnership. Boris Becker spoke to Andre Agassi earlier for Eurosport and Agassi said that he's up for Wimbledon if Novak is. He also said he's not doing this, for, he's not taking a single dime for this. He's doing it to try and give something back to the sport. He said that Djokovic at his best is good for tennis and he wants to try and contribute to making that happen. If that's the case, that's pretty unprecedented, isn't it? A sort of purely benevolent uh, coaching partnership uh, yeah if that's the case I don't think it'll last <laughs> <laughs> I think Andre Agassi's got so much goodwill in him but I think motivation might wane I think so I th <laughs> or maybe it changes you know he does it he does this for Novak's charity and after that there's a financial agreement
Well, uh, well, I mean, he did do that interview as well in front of a very heavily branded Lovatsa um, backboard as well. So even if Djokovic isn't physically handing over money, I suspect that financial benefits might be occurring. But I don't doubt that there is a significant motivation to contribute to tennis because that is the kind of guy that Andre Agassi is, isn't he? I mean, and it is a great, great pleasure for you to have him back in our sport, isn't it? Because he's been so absent for so long. Well, I think, you know, if he wants to be charitable, I think there are better ways of doing it than coming to a guy who's earned over $100 million, uh, who is one of the best players in the world. Why doesn't he take on somebody else who's far further down the rankings? I think that would be far more charitable. Yes, he could coach me. I mean, that really would be a challenge for him. I think that's the the way to to help tennis benevolently. The other thing is it doesn't uh, do a lot of good for other coaches. They say Agassi's doing it for nothing. Somebody else is going to say who, who asks to employ a big name as a coach. Agassi doesn't, does it for nothing. Why don't you coach me for nothing? So other coaches are perhaps are going to have to drop their prices a hell of a lot. I don't think Agassi's going to be, going to be one of the charmed friends of all the coaches around the it's, world. It's like Russian oligarchs entering the, the football ownership market, isn't it? It artificially inflates the market for every everybody else uh, Dominic Team has just walked past us today I personally didn't have a chance to watch much of his match but boy it seemed like he was very impressive I've seen some stuff on Twitter saying that he was in ruthless form against Steve Johnson earlier he definitely could be a challenge to Djokovic if he remains in and possibly Nadal I think so I think he's you know one of the the fancied outsiders and his record this year has been phenomenal and I think you know Perhaps if anyone's going to win this a couple of times in the years to come when Rafa's gone, Dominic Team is probably a man. I think this year, the way Rafa's playing, I do think it's game, set and match already almost. Crikey, after round three, that is incredible. Now, just a quick word on somebody else who was in that section of the draw, a very sad word on Davy Goffin, who we saw take a really horrendous tumble, turn his ankle, more than turn his ankle. If you're squeamish, don't go anywhere near the photos of that injury circulating on the internet because they are horrifying. We have had an update. He retired instantly, by the way. He went off the court. He was serving for the first set against Horatio Zabaios, went off the court, didn't even return to the court to, to announce that he would be retiring from the match. Really, really sad scenes. The updates from the MRI suggest it's not quite as serious, perhaps, as those photos suggest. But, I mean, poor guy. Poor, poor guy. What can you say? It's just so unlucky and just miserable. Absolutely miserable for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't see Gofan to be honest, as a likely candidate to win the tournament. But he's played so well in the last 12 months. His graph is definitely on the way up, and I hope, I really hope, it's not serious so that he can be a contender for the rest of the summer. Absolutely. Just a quick word on the women's matches that have taken place today. Garbina Muguruza was very impressive. I spoke to Mary Pierce about her match, and she really sees the fire in the belly of Garbina Muguruza. She's benefited, I think, from having tough matches early on, from really having to dig deep and find the fight in herself. And now it very much seems to be there because Yulia Putin-Saber is a terrier. She can make you work so hard. And Muguruza did have to work hard and she kept her head. She fought hard and she came through and it was impressive, I thought. I think she's been, for me, the standout performer. I think Halep's looked very good too and she went in as the favourite but for me the odds are starting to change because I think Magrutha in both her matches has looked 
as good as last year, if not better. But I know, Simon, you have a sneaky eye on Sam Stoza, don't you, who also won today against Bethany Matek-Sands. She's looking really good. You mentioned her before the tournament even started, and now suddenly other people are starting to jump on the bandwagon and say, hey, how about Sam Stoza? I mean, she's been to the final here. Why on earth not? Probably not because I said so. <laughs> but hey, yes, she's doing well. I worry, the only thing I worry about Sam is her temperament. If it, I know she won the US Open and fantastically. But, you know, that was, she was up against Serena and she loved that because Serena was there to be got at. If she gets to the final, she quite possibly could be the favourite to win it. And, and, and I worry about that. But I, th- I do think she could go all the way and I, I think she is a possible winner. And she's benefited, I think, from being able to fly a bit under the radar, hasn't she? She hasn't had a Chatrier match yet. That is sometimes when she can be a bit exposed mentally. But in terms of level of play, I think she's right up there. Uh, anybody else who's played today? Yes, of course there is. There's Kiki Mladenovic, who got herself into another almighty fight with Shelby Rogers. She celebrated at the end. The emotion at the end was as if she'd won the French Open. And I think it's... With all due respect to Shelby Rogers, who I think actually is a fantastic personality, a really gutsy player, it's good for the tournament that Mladenovic is still in and will now, through play, the defending champion Muguruza. Well, it's a, it's a beautiful match, isn't it? Just thinking of, of the two women who play, in a way, quite different sort of styles of tennis. But uh, like you both, I think Muguruza's game has uh, undoubtedly improved. I think it almost helps her to be the defending champion here. I think she's needed that sort of pressure to bring the best out of her. And her opening uh, round match did much of the same. And she's gone from good to strength to strength. So that I think the, the very fact that she's up now against Ladenovic is obviously in Muguruza's favour. Although Ladenovic, I think, was many people's sort of outside choice for this tournament, chiefly because of the French crowds. Although I'm, I, in, in the end, I think that may weigh on her rather heavily. But there's undoubtedly the fact that she's brought the confidence from the doubles world, it sometimes happens, into the singles world. So that really helps her in her quest to do well here. And we all hope for her sake and for the French that she can do it. And not just the confidence from the doubles game. I wanted to ask you about that, Free, because obviously you know a thing or two about doubles. She's also used the expertise and tactical awareness from the doubles game and transferred it to the singles game. She's shown how valuable it can be. Others take note. Yes, there's undoubtedly that, that fact. I mean, she, she, you know, she can play the, the angle shot, she can get into the net and use her great reach uh, to mean advantage up at the net. But I think it's, it's that combination and also the fact that, I mean, she was down against Shelby Rogers in the third uh, set today. And uh, the feeling around while I was watching the match was that she was going to lose. But the, you can never, never deny the French crowd the support that they give her. And the very fact that she celebrates to that extent after every match that she wins is not the fact that she's won the tournament, but I think it's just a salute to the French for helping her through. It's one of the great new chants of the French Open, isn't it? The Kiki chant. I know Joe Jury is a big fan, isn't she? The Kiki chant. Uh, and we'll be pleased to see it in round four against Garbina Muguruza. Before I let the commentary dream team go, I must get your thoughts. Incidentally, a quick update. Novak Djokovic has taken a double break lead now in the fourth set. He leads four love over Diego Schwartzman. We are, I think, going to have a decider, which I think is what the crowd deserve. There's a bit of a lull, isn't there, atmosphere-wise in the match. Suddenly everyone's gone, OK, we're going to have a fifth. We'll, we'll regroup and get some energy back for that. I must, through and Simon, get your thoughts about the dream third-round clash we have tomorrow between Juan Martín del Potro and Andy Murray. If their last two meetings are anything to go by, of course, in the Davis Cup and at the Olympics, we are going to be in for a treat, aren't we? 
Well, I know Murray's uh, in good uh, shape physically. The one concern is uh, that uh, we're not quite sure how completely fit Del Potro is. And if he's anything short of his, uh, real, of his best fitness, the best that he can muster at this stage, there's always a, a bit of a wonkiness to the wrist so that he's not always going to hit the backhand as hard as he used to when he, for instance, was winning the US Open. Uh, I would very much favour Murray because I think uh, he's, he's looking good, he's looking strong. Yes, he hasn't played his best, but I think if Del Potro is anything short of somewhere near his best, then uh, it's all favour Everything favours Murray. And Murray is very good at exploiting an opponent with a weakness, isn't he? He's brutal and ruthless in that way. He will try and expose that Delpo backhand, won't he? He will. I, mean, I didn't see the match with Del Potro and Almagro. I've seen the clips afterwards and wasn't he magnificent. But what I heard was that he wasn't moving at all well and that he himself could have defaulted if that match had gone on. If that is the case, and I say I didn't see it, then I think Murray wins handsomely. Just finally, one other match I wanted to mention from tomorrow. We don't know the schedule yet, I should say. I think they're waiting to see how much the rain ends up intervening today before they release the schedule for tomorrow. They're holding off a bit longer than they usually would. We're going to have Monfils against Gasquet. Now, matches between French players are often a highly bizarre occasion, aren't they? Can you try and explain why they're such a highly bizarre occasion? Well, they're always bizarre with Monfils because you never know what you're going to get. And, and, and good on him for that. Gasquet is not the same kind of character, but you get the same thing. He's so unpredictable. He can be terrific, and he can be almost a no-show. Uh, I have to say I fancy Monfils. I think it might be a lot of fun. And it's difficult for the French crowd, but I think most of them will go for Monfils as well because he is such an entertaining character, and they like that. They like the... the um, the energy and the... The showmanship, uh, it, yeah, it suits this crowd. Everything, and they'll go for that. And I think that that might upset Gasquet a little bit. I, I take Monfils to win that. You feeling the same, Fru? I do. Monfils has got the pedigree here. You know, he's been a semi-finalist here. Gasquet's never got beyond the quarterfinals, only ever done that once, and that was last year. So that the, there's no doubt I think Monfils is the favourite. As well as Gasquet played in his last match, he was terrific on, out on the Longland last night, as, as we saw, we did the match. But I think Monfils has probably just got a bit too much resilience, a bit too much speed. And as you say, it's going to be difficult for the crowd, but uh, I quite agree with Simon that Monfils, being the showman, will probably attract more of the applause, which will grate with Gasquet, and it would grate with me, wouldn't it, with you? I thought when you were talking about dream teams, this was going to be Simon and me against Bradenham and Dury, and I was going to say, there's no match. That that is going to happen next week, Fru. I will make it happen. Oh, good. Well, I'm looking... In in podcast terms, not... looking forward to it. I'm going to practice my punching on the way back to the hotel. Does that mean to say you've you've enjoyed your first tennis podcast appearance through well i'm not sure that it's my first because i'm i'm somewhat in dreamland (laughs) how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Velour XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. And on that note... I am going to let Fru and Simon go because we are, I think, just minutes away from an enthralling fifth set in this match between Novak Djokovic and Diego Schwartzman. Simon and Fru, it has been a great pleasure to have you on the tennis podcast. Thank you so much for your company. That isn't actually quite it, though, from this Day 6 tennis podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport because in preview of that incredible third round match we have to look forward to tomorrow between Andy Murray and Juan Martín del Potro. I have been speaking to both players, Davis Cup captains. First, Leon Smith, who is very much looking forward to this third round match. I think when you look at the matches from last year as well, it, uh, everyone's anticipating a tough battle and I think that's what exactly what's going to be like. Let's talk a bit about those matches from last year. First and foremost, the most recent one in Davis Cup, won by Juan Martín del Potro. What made the difference in that match? Not a lot. It was, it was such a tight match. Um, I mean, what was it? Just over five hours. Um, unbelievable level from both players. Amazing atmosphere in Glasgow for that one. Uh, there was one passing shot up the line uh, from Delpo, which uh, got the break. Um, he literally just made it. I couldn't believe he actually made it. It went past my head at the time, and I thought, no, come on, and it went in. But, you know, it was, uh, it was a brutal encounter. As was the Olympic final, won by Murray on that occasion. You were there for that, I believe. What was different about that one that allowed Andy to get the edge that day? Well, again, it was, there was not much in it. I mean, the, the two of them, you know, match each other well. Andy, obviously, with his great defensive skills. Uh, Del Potro with his very aggressive play with the serve and forehand um, I mean I do think on the hard court Del Potro is able to manage the backhand side a bit more effectively than on a clay court 
he's able just to position himself nearer the baseline and, and whether he's hitting his two-hand or whether he's using his slice, which you've seen a lot, uh, he just sort of holds his position well and then waits for the opportunity to get that one strike with his forehand and then he starts to repeat with it. I think on a clay court, uh, you can see Andy hopefully pin him back a bit deeper and just force him back from the baseline a bit, which then you can start exploiting his movement, his agility, his ability to change direction a bit more than you can on a hard court. And he's obviously been struggling a bit for form, playing himself into matches. Do you think a match like this could be just what he needs? He'll come out 100% fired up. How could you not against Delpo? Yeah, I mean, it, it would. I mean, I'm sure he didn't. Maybe like both of them don't want this in the third round. Uh, but such as Del Potro's ranking is just not where it uh, should be uh, because of the, the injuries and whatnot. But, you know, whoever gets through this one, and if we look at Andy's point of view, which we, which we will, um, he'll get a lot of confidence. You know, he's got... He's banked eight sets of tennis this now, which is really important for him because he's talked about the need to play more. He hasn't managed to practice as much as what he would like, um, but there's nothing like getting on the match going. He said he's got through two matches now. If he gets through the Del Potro one, um, then he'll feel a lot better about himself. He'll have, he'll have banked another important match. Um, the confidence starts to return, and that confidence of beating one of the best players in the world, which... And even if he's struggling a bit mentally on the court, physically he seems to be doing well, Andy. And if it does go long, which their encounters tend to, would you put him as the favourite? Yeah, I'd, I would back Andy to win this one. I think it'll be a difficult match, but I think, like I said, I think on a clay court, Andy will be able to exploit the different areas of the court. Um, and I don't think Del Potro will be able to maybe impose his game as as, as effectively does on a hard court. Um, and I think Andy. You know, it's one of those matches that I think just lights him up a bit more. I think he's got what he needed out of the first two rounds. And I think at the start of the tournament, always talked about getting or navigating your way through those early rounds. Um, and this is a big test to come in the third round. But if he gets through it, I, I, yeah, I think it just puts him in a different place again. Um, and for that reason, I just think he's going to get it right on the day against Opotro. But we should really expect a tough match. And just finally, Leon, this has been a very animated Andy Murray we've seen during this tournament so far. He's been particularly animated towards his box. You have spent a lot of time in the Andy Murray player box. What's your take on his uh, behaviour towards the box? And do you expect it to be the same tomorrow against Elpo? I mean, he was pretty open about it uh, after his last match in press. I mean, look, in an ideal world, he, he obviously says a bit less and, and keeps his concentration. But at the same time, you can understand, you know, that he gets frustrated. And, and he's always been like that. I mean, it's not for those that have spent a lot of time with him and sitting in those situations. Yeah, it's, it's, it's part and parcel. And, um, you know, you, you rarely find that he's not ready for the next point. It's, it's not really like that. He's ready to go again. But... I think he admits himself and it's, it's clear he plays his best tennis when it is more concentrated on the court and, and the focus is, is all there. And I think, you know, he'll know himself. That's the way it has to be when he's playing against uh, Del Potro and any of the other top guys. Fingers crossed for tomorrow, Leon. Thank you. Thank you very much. So that was Leon Smith being pretty candid about what it's like to be in the players' box of Andy Murray when he's having one of his uh, more demonstrative days, but also very supportive of Andy and what he goes through on the court and what he sometimes needs to do to win. Everybody seems to have a different position on that behaviour. Some people, it really irritates them. Some just think, whatever you need to do to win, you, you do it on the court, and that's fine. I did also have the chance to speak to Daniel Osanic, Juan Martín del Potro's Davis Cup captain, of course his captain for that incredible victory he had over Andy Murray in the semi-finals of the Davis Cup last year and for the final, a very emotional moment in the career of Juan Martín del Potro. And he too, unsurprisingly, is very much looking forward to this one. He's very happy about it and he's looking for his best uh, form 
he's not he has not played many many events on on clay for the last years but he's very happy to be here and looking forward for tomorrow's match as well he's been through so much injury wise it has been such a long road back for him can you sum up just how difficult the past few years have been for him and how hard it has been to work his way back to this level well, I think he passed that uh, bad period. Now he's enjoying being back already last year with uh, getting to the getting the, the silver medal and losing to Andy at the Olympics, then uh, winning the Davis Cup. I think those were dreams that came through, uh, came through. And uh, now this year he's, you know, regaining. Uh, he's looking for his best uh, form. He's, uh, I don't think he's quite there yet but tomorrow it's a very tough and difficult test to see where he's standing you mentioned those two recent momentous moments both of them involved andy murray first of all the olympics the silver medal that incredible final obviously andy was the victor that day and then of course the davis cup match where juan martin was the victor on that day at the davis cup what did juan martin do what did you tell him to do that made the difference against andy well, I think both matches were great to watch and I was very lucky to, to be in both of them. I think Juan was a little bit more tired on the, in Rio when they played the final and he was uh, a little bit more fresh in, uh, in Glasgow. But both matches were incredible in such a good level and I really hope that tomorrow we can see another great match. Um, I don't know which way it's going to go. I think Andy is the favourite for that, but Juan is obviously looking forward to, to a good match. And in terms of what he needs to do tactically, is it all about getting the ball on that huge forehand? <laughs> well, he, he must play aggressively, otherwise there's no way he can uh, overpower on, uh, on Andy. And, and he's such a good physically and he moves so well that you have to win the, the points somehow and hitting those big forehand is one of the, the ways he's got to do that. And of course Juan has such incredible crowd support wherever he plays now because everybody knows what he's been through and that will only be boosted by what happened against Almagro and how wonderfully he dealt with that. Are you expecting the crowd to be with him tomorrow? I think both players are very uh, loved, you know, they, they follow by many people. I think the crowd's going to be both ways. What happened yesterday was very sad with, for Almagro and Juan Martin knows exactly what it feels like. He went through a long time being injured and so he was trying to to explain that to Almagro in such a difficult moment. And, and just finally, if he were to do it tomorrow, if he were to beat the world number one, get into the second week here again, what would it mean to him? I, I'm sorry, I didn't. If he were to do it tomorrow, to beat Murray, the world number one, to get into round four of Roland Garros, what would it mean to him? A lot, a lot. I think it will give Juan Martin a lot of confidence. Um, but I think before that, he needs to to think about, you know, to be at a, at a high level, to compete against Andy. And then if he if he achieve this then he may think about winning but before he, he I'm, I'm sure he's thinking about being at a high level we all hope for that we hope for a fantastic match daniel thank you okay thank you
So there is Daniel Orsenik ahead of Del Potro versus Murray, which I can now tell you is second on court. Philippe Chatrier on Saturday. I can also tell you that Djokovic is safely through to round four. He won those final two sets against Diego Schwartzman, 6-1, 6-1, and he is a very relieved man indeed. I think that about wraps things up from day six of the French Open 2017. There are a few remaining results that I will be able to bring you up to date on and report on tomorrow. But for now, we have been the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.